listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. And Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Go to www.qr.com.au. G'day and welcome back. It's episode 89 of On The Road and it's chock-a-block full of truck and goodness. Mike's talked himself hoarse this week in the process of bringing you some great interviews. We've got Matt Lawrence who fills us in on all the details about this weekend's Mac Muster in WA, as well as more on the muster from Yogi Kendall and Paul Andrews. And that's what you think Mike and Clive Rogers from FleetSafe talk about new truck tech called Spoto. And something to talk about? Professor Ross Isles is back with us, sharing a lot of new information about driver health that's emerged since the last time he was on the show. We've got amazing music from Great White and Aussie singer-songwriter Alison Forbes, all the latest from the newsroom, plus a fly-on-the-wall eavesdrop later on with a conversation between Mike and Dave McCoy from New Zealand's own trucking podcast, Keep On Moving. It's a huge show, and it's time to roll it out. So, let's get this show on the road! Yes, get on with it! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, roll up, roll up, roll up. Next Sunday, the Mac Muster, and I have got Matt Lawrence, one of the conveners of the show here, to let us know what's going on. We've had a bit of a chat with Yogi, and old mate Sludge is going to be there. Steve's going to be there from Outback Truckers. More than just Max, mate. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you going? Yeah, good, Mike. Doing really well. You and I ran into each other down at the Brunswick Fair that day and there was a line-up of Max, beautiful-looking pieces of machinery and I was quite taken with the blue R600, I think it was. Is that going to be at the show? Yeah, I think Kelly's going to bring that down. So, yeah, it will be. He's registered. There's some fairly spectacular bits of gear out there. There's nothing like the sound of a Mac E9 at full noise. I agree. Great much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've been trying to get Lex Forsyth to get that soundtrack going and then that electric truck he's building in New South Wales, mate. He's not convinced. I haven't got him over the line yet. I'm working on it. Yeah, that and hydrogen. They both <laughs> need that sound. They both need the rumble. Nothing like a Mac E9 at full noise. Loud pipes save lives. You just ask anyone. <laughs> Good fun. <laughs> right, oh, Mac Muster, mate. It was an idea that came about after a few beers and a few of you Mac enthusiasts got together and said, we really do need to do something. It's turned into something more than just Max now. Everyone's invited, aren't they? That's right. An idea over a value liner. <laughs> Stephen Delabonna from WA Limestone and Jason Clatworthy from CTS Low Loaders were having a chat and decided that we should be putting on a show and that Western Australia hadn't had a truck show for many years at that point. Yep. And it was time and we thought we had enough Max in the community to put on a show and 
And then it evolved from there and we came together as a small group, small committee with 10 industry people and decided that it can't just be all about Mac. We'll have to invite the whole industry and it's everybody's pride and joy. It's their work and it's their workplace. So we wanted to unite the industry in some way and inviting all trucks and all brands and all makes and models is the right thing to do. Well, you're going to have a couple of Kenworths there, I know that for sure, and there's going to be a big purple peak there too, mate. Wow, yeah. Well, this, well hopefully. Hopefully Sludge will bring that along. So I was talking to him just a while ago, mate. She's going to be there all shined up. He reckon just going to show you blokes up. Well, he may well, but there's there's a couple of peaks <laughs> coming. He might be surprised. Oh, right, eh? He's got a few. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple. How many trucks have you got registered for the show so far? There's 140 trucks registered. We're getting there. We're hoping, you know, Last time we ran the show, I think we had about 30 trucks roll up on the day that weren't registered as well. So, you know, we're pushing good numbers this year and we're not sure where we're going to put them all at the moment. You've got some sponsorship from Renko Trailers this year and you're actually raising money for charity as well, isn't that the idea? That's the whole idea behind it. Yeah. Put on a show for the industry and raise some money for cutting-edge cancer research. Mate, who do you reckon is going to win? Have you got a favourite already? Who's the even money favourite? Oh, we've got 18 categories. Right, eh? Plus two People's Choice Awards. Right. Barry Napoli from Charles Hull Contracting last year with yeah, an 88 Super Liner and that one truck of the show. Yep. Hard to beat when he's there. Yeah. We've got Ryan DeMassey with his 904 620 Hulk Kenworth. That's a showstopper everywhere. You can't have a Kenworth winning a truck of the show at a Mac show, mate. Jesus. Wow. Like I said, I think we'll probably only be 50% Mac at the moment, so maybe we can. Maybe you need a different category for the other players that don't come with real trucks. What do you reckon? Well, it ended up being a European paddock and a Kenworth corner and a Volvo lane. Uh, There'll be lots of trucks around the place, that's for sure. Mate, it's almost going to be at the point now we're going to have to change the name of it from the Mac Master to the Perth Truck Show or something. The Truck Master, you reckon? The Perth Truck Master. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Mac Master's got a certain ring about it, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. And it's a master feel, Mike. Mm. We're on a farm, 35Ks out of Perth. The Quarry Farm is one of Perth's premier wedding venues. So they do 80 weddings a year. Yep. It's really picturesque. Tree-lined driveway where all the trucks line up. Beautiful homesteads and real rustic muster type feel. And last year we had it in November and there's plenty of dust around. And it's a grassroots truck show. So what are we going to see, mate? We're going to see all the big trucks. Have you got some rides and food and all that sort of stuff as well? Is it going to be like a country show sort of a thing as well as the trucks? What are we going to see there? Yeah, Mike, it's truck focused. So we'll have trailers there this year. and We didn't last time around. We'll have food exhibitors, our sponsors. We'll have their displays. We'll have merchandise sales. So, you know, Sludge, Steve, Graham and Yogi will have some merchandise to sell. Yep. And a few others around the place. And we'll have general industry partners that will be involved as well. There's no motocross or anything like that. It's all about the trucks. Uh, speaking of Yogi, Yogi's the MC for the dinner and that, isn't he, as well? So we've got a dinner on for all of our sponsors. So 350 people will attend the dinner. We've got an auction. We've got some guest speakers and Yogi will MC that. It's a part of that Mac Muster weekend uniting the industry over here. So what are we auctioning, mate? Well, it's top secret at the moment, Mike. Is it really? Yeah, there's 20 or so items, some high-priced items. All right. Anywhere from 100 bucks up to who knows where it goes. So it won't be something like paying Yogi to come and polish your wheels or something like that, would it? Uh, no, but last time there was two replica Mac dogs. That they're out front of the Mac premises. Yep. They went up for auction, so who knows what will happen. One of the big ones like you had at Brunswick. Yeah, one of those, yeah. Well, that was one of them, Mike. Oh, oh righto. Yeah. I'd bid 100 bucks for that. <laughs> I'd have to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate, I really do wish I could be there. 
it's just one of those things, isn't it? I couldn't get the Brisbane truck show because I was in Perth. Yeah. Now I can't get over to you because I'm over here. And Sydney, it's just terrible. Well, we've got a few people coming over. So Tracy Marley's coming over, the trucking nutrition chick. So excited to have her. And we've got Warren Aitken as well, who will be coming over and putting a couple of trucks in as well and doing a couple of shoots. And a few others that have said they'll pop over. So, yeah, it's exciting. We're getting some national focus and, and we're really starting to get some support nationally for what we want in the future to be a show that's on the national calendar for people to come to. Well, mate, I think you've got that. I think it is on the national calendar now and it certainly looks like it's going to be one of those events that's just going to go from strength to strength. And I look at everything I saw while I was over there, just some of those trucks in the line at Brunswick that day and the attitude of you and your mates who were there, I met in the tent. What a great bunch of guys. I can only wish you all the best for the show, mate. And, and as I say, wish I was there. Yeah, thanks. We do have a great group. You know, we're a small committee. We're really our grassroots. Our committee own trucks, they own businesses, or they work in businesses that are linked to the transport industry. So there's eight of us on the committee and we really try and support the other shows that are around. And look, if we could make East Coast shows, we'd do it as well yeah. and just support the other shows. So Brunswick was a good example where I think we had 10 or so Max down there at Yogi and Sludge as well. And, you know, really thankful that Yogi, Sludge and Steve are also supporting us here and getting involved. Yeah. You know, Sludge is flying the flag for us everywhere he goes. And it's really great that we can keep saying it, unite the industry and bring everybody together again in transport. Well, they are three of the best-known truckies in Australia, those three, on a public level anyway. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mate, just wrap it up. I just wanted to say that people can go to macmuster.com.au and scroll down and there's all the contact details there, your phone numbers, sponsor inquiries. You can register your truck and submit it there to go to the show. All the information you need to find out about what the address is. So we don't need to go reciting it out. People don't need to try and scribble it down while they're hearing us talking now. Mate, good luck with it, and I'd like to probably get you back on after the show and we can have a bit of a talk about how it went. Oh, that'd be great, Mike. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing how many trucks we actually get on the day and seeing how many people we get through the gate, see if we can beat last show's records. No worries at all, mate. And while you're at the website, people, just check out the gallery because I'll tell you what, there is some fantastic bits of gear there and enough to make an old fella's heart race. What do you reckon, mate? That's enough to make anyone's heart race, Mike. So. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us on the show, Matt. I know you've been a busy man today getting everything sorted out for the MacMuster on Sunday. Do appreciate you taking just a few minutes out of your day to tell the listeners what's going on. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, check out our socials, Facebook and Instagram, and we'll be posting and sharing across the day. So check us out, and we'll hopefully show you what's happening. Wouldn't miss it, mate. Wouldn't miss it. Thanks for that. Thanks, Mike. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. 
caught up with me old mate Yogi from Kendall Trucking in Co. at back trucker extraordinaire <laughs> and Mac Muster MC. How are you, buddy? G'day, g'day, mate. How are you? <laughs> yeah, good. No, I'm going well. I'm going well. Yeah, looking forward to the Mac Muster, Mac Muster MC. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So I believe you're on the way up to Bris Vegas at the moment. Where are you on the uh, great country of ours now? Yeah, I'm down at the canoeing and boating shop and I'm getting myself a set of floaties for the 900 and we're northbound to Brisbane. I'm actually, funny enough, just going past Kulak here. So they've waved me out, no going in. That's cool. Yeah, soldier on, Saturday afternoon, no one cares. So you're going to go straight up past my joint, mate. You're going to curl in. I've bought a uh, carton of emu. It's been floating around in the toolbox for about six months. It should be about ready to drink now. They're going to be right them little bush chooks and be hats, do you reckon? Yeah, well. Just get them out, put them next to the fire, and I'll be there in a couple of hours. All right, mate. No worries at all. <laughs> I've got to say that I remember that evening down at the Catanning pub, mate, when you and I became stakeholders in a similar endeavour. And I had an emu and it didn't kill me, so... Well, I was going to say, you're actually looking at a million bucks at the moment, so, yeah, you must have done something <laughs> right for you, you know? <laughs> Mac Muster, let's get serious. Let's stay on point, mate. You're over for the Mac Muster. You're going to get home in time, or you better. there would be a big problem if you don't. Yeah, so I've got to take the uh, big bird in the sky. So... Uh. As we all know, trucking's an interesting industry and you never quite know where you are, what you're doing. But I left last Monday. Yep. I thought I had a load out of Melbourne. The Melbourne load didn't happen. So I had freight in Coffs Harbour in Sydney. So I've had to take that freight. Yep. So unfortunately, I can't have the purple truck home, but I will have the black truck at the Mac Master. So no drums. You'll have the black truck there. It's not a Mac either, is it? No, it's not a Mac. It's another 900. Mm. It's a black 900. It's a little bit like the convoy truck. Mm. You know, it can identify as a Mac that weekend, that black truck of mine, you know. Some blokes that drive Max would say, oh, yeah, can identify as a truck for the weekend. We'll, we'll have it come along because it's a truck show for any make, isn't it? Anyone can go. Yeah, correct, bud. So it got branded as the Mac Muster when there's a lot of Mac enthusiasts in Western Australia that got together. And it's a very strong scene over there. And Mac trucks are right behind it. Mm. But it is incorporating every brand, every make, big, small. We love them all, bud. So mm. if you've got a truck or anything that looks like a truck, be in Perth the 24th. Go and vote and then head on down to the McMaster to South of Perth. Top weekend. Really, they're expecting 300 people at the dinner on Friday nights. Mm. And then Saturday's bump in, Sunday, McMaster. So really, really, really strong event for Western Australia. Yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed, mate. I've been caught out on the wrong side of the country again. Have truck, will travel. That's everybody's motto in this day and age. So maybe, yeah, just come along. I reckon the boss is starting to ask questions if he's looking at me on the satellite tracking and I'm going over the <laughs> WA border and going, what the hell's going on here, buddy? I know. I know. Oh, Mike's going AWOL, but I know your boss. He's a good bloke. Just tell him you're taking a load over there. All good. <laughs> taking a load of good water over to put in the export and make it any better, but it won't make it any better because it's all bad water over here. Oh, now, come on. Don't be like that. <laughs> Buddy, good to catch up with you, mate. I'm hoping that you're going to keep it safe out there on the road and looking forward to some Jake Break Friday, mate. You've been letting the team down. Yeah, last month or so with the passing of my dad and a few other bits and pieces, just been a bit full on for us. And yep. Yeah, so we're being a bit quiet on the old socials, but yeah, we're, we're amping back up. We're starting to feel a little bit better, getting a bit of strength back now and a few things that have gone on in the past. Yeah. But yeah, looking forward to the Mac Master and uh, the Mac Master of Western Australia is proudly supported by Renko Trailers, another great Western Australian company over there that's got right behind the Perth truck show. So we're looking forward to it, folks. Should be a top day out, eh? Oh, no, I'm looking forward to maybe catching 
catching up with a couple of people live while I'm at it. Yeah. All right, mate, thanks. Take care, keep it safe, mate, and we'll catch you on the road. Always love being on the road, listening to the On The Road podcast. Unbelievable. Coming there, Andy. Yeah, mate, got you go. Mate, we're coming up that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about two k's to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. Would want to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they? They're stuck to the tracks, mate. It's <laughs> not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailer. Yeah, I heard about that one. It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. Poor old train driver. Probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. Long way to go. After you, old mate. This is a message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. Yeah, Paul Andrews here, better known as Sludgy. McMuster coming up next weekend. It's going to be a good weekend out. All the boys have organised it. Yogi, Steve's going to be there. It's going to be a great weekend there at Tumbledum. So come down and visit us. We'll bring a real truck down there and hopefully show a few of these Macs up with the Peterbilt. Got her all polished up, ready to go. So come down, get some T-shirts, see Yogi, Steve. Come down to the Mac Muster and say g'day. People want to know, hey Mick, what do you listen to in the cab of the truck? Well, it just depends on the mood, depends on what I'm doing, you know. If it's a nice mellow afternoon, I'll have a bit of country going trying to make a mile it might be road hammers or something along those lines and when i'm really getting into it and having a party it'll be some hard rock or something like that with that in mind i thought i'd play you one of my favorite songs it'd be in my top 10 of favorite songs this one it's a song off the 1991 hooked album from great white probably wasn't one of their most recognizable songs you will have all heard of once bitten twice shy and and that's got a lot more airplay Hook still managed to come in at number 18 on the Billboard 200 back in the day, and it was a certified gold album in April of 91. It was also the last album which featured that fantastic bass player Tony Montana on it as well. There's a bloke named Jeff Clark Meads who used to write for Q Magazine, and he described the album as relaxed, mellow and endearing. I don't think that endearing to many of the great white fans. We all thought of him as a hard rock, maybe even a metal actor. So this is the song. It's called Desert Moon. Great guitar music right throughout. You don't hear songs like it anymore anyway. Go to YouTube and check out the official music video. It's all bike vests, hairy chests, heavy chains, and a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Here it comes, Great White, Desert Moon, off the Hooked album.
Kermy here from Trucking with Kermy. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermy on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. It's time for That's What You Think. Everyone that listens to this show knows that I love tech and I love getting into things and finding out how they work and if they're worth having or if they're just an annoyance that piss people off in the cab. I've come across something called Spoto. It's a radar for the side of trucks and tells people where it goes. So much so that the guy I work for has actually bought several units of it and I believe he's ordered some more. That doesn't matter. That's like company in confidence. We won't talk about that. I got Clive Rogers from Fleet Safe, who is a distributor and I believe the inventor of these things. And we're going to talk to him about Spoto and some other stuff as well. Clive Rogers, welcome to the On the Road podcast, mate. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good to be here. Thanks for giving me your time. Thanks for your time, mate. I will say also at this point that Clive and I don't have any sort of a sponsorship arrangement. I've got older Clive simply because I would like people to know about this tech because it's something you can put on your trucks aftermarket, particularly your American-style trucks, that could save you big money. So no sponsorship arrangement, but don't think I'm not going to try and sell you one. <laughs> I'll talk to you after the show, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you wherever I can get it. Andy would cane me if I didn't at least say to you, hey, hey, dude, how about this? Always selling. That's the motto, mate, always selling. Yeah, I'm a truck driver, not a salesman, though, mate. <laughs> You're doing a good job. <laughs> good on me. All right, listen. Yeah, let's talk about the tech. Let's talk about the tech. Spoto is a little black box that goes on the side of your truck. You can buy several different types of it. You can buy one or two or put them on the back. It's a proximity sensor with an indicator and a warning system inside the cab that lets a driver know if he's about to move over on a car in traffic. That's it in a nutshell, really, isn't it? That's the premise, correct. Absolutely. It's radar. You can go left side, right side, or the front even. Mm-hmm. Low speed collisions or truck is stopped at a traffic light and a cyclist comes up beside you and stops in front of the truck. Yep. It'll detect that cyclist, yeah, who won the driver. So we end up with this little black box that's mounted on the left-hand side of the truck. Well, it's only a few inches square, isn't it? Correct, yeah. Probably three by three, I think it is, four by four. Something like that. And get a, a warning light up on the A-pillar on the left-hand side. When you put the indicator on, if there's something there, I believe it even beeps at you. Well, I mean, the first function is if there's a vehicle on the side of you, it'll light up. It gives you a zone of 12 metres down the side of the truck by three metres. So basically covering that lane, the lane next to the truck. Yep. Extending forward of the bonnet, so maybe five or six metres back and five or six metres forward. And if there's a vehicle or even a motorcycle or a bicycle in that zone, it's going to light up the LED, which is mounted to the A-pillar. So if you're changing lanes, you look at the A-pillar, the light is on, it means that something's there. Yep. And it'll stay illuminated until that zone is clear, until that vehicle is away. Yep. At that point, it's silent. Yeah. If you put the blinker on, it'll start flashing, it'll beep. I was actually going to get one of these put in my truck, and for whatever reason, that hasn't happened. <laughs> but I've spoken with guys in our fleet that have got these installed on their trucks, principally Western Stars, I might add, that don't have a little window in the bottom of the door. Mm. I know that talking out of school that we had a couple of minor incidents which resulted in minor insurance issues. And that was one of the things that motivated the investigation to find out what was out there to see if we couldn't solve that problem. The cost of these units, mate, less than an insurance claim and less than an excess, I think. And they're pretty easy to fit. 
Very easy, mate. We've made it to be easy to fit, universal, any truck. Doesn't matter what truck it is, it'll go onto anything. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be a bonded truck either. You know, we've been supplying some of the fleets with the European trucks, even rigids. We put them on the side of a rigid truck. It gives you the whole side of the rigid truck as a detection zone. Right. So the object of the exercise is this thing is going to detect whatever's there, give you some indication so that if you start to move over, you're going to have a problem. How well does it work in the rain? Absolutely fine. It doesn't matter. It'll work in the rain, fog, snow. It doesn't matter using radar. Yeah. So that's the difference with ultrasonic and radar. Radar is a much higher frequency. Yep. It'll just work in any condition, day or night. doesn't matter the conditions. The feedback that I've had from the drivers that I've spoken to that have actually used it, and I've seen it and I've seen what it actually does. I just haven't actually had one out there in the traffic. It lets them know what's going on beside them and it prevents that initial move over. And I mean, we've all seen the, the pictures of, uh, well, there was an Argosy that took out a car several years ago in the Domain Tunnel and spun it around in front. Yes. I mean, these things are happening all the time. <laughs> yes. The cost of the repairs and the downtime and just the whole administrative hassle of going through it. I mean, you're in the wrong once you've moved over the line and hit someone. It's, it's on you, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, I was watching some YouTube videos and there's a lot of conversation around them as to whose fault is that. The car driver shouldn't have been in the blind spot. They should know better. Yep. So it's really a grey area. You know, everyone argues about it. But at least this will just then give the driver indication that something is there, you know, and take evasive action. Don't change lanes. You know, don't go forward. Right. Oh, so without getting too much further into that, I mean, I just wanted to let people know that that product's out there and it's at a reasonable price. They should go to the webpage, which is spotoradar.com.au. Correct, yep. And find out for yourself or give Clive a ring. All of his contact details are there at Fleet Safe. Mate, you obviously sell a bit of other stuff through your business apart from the Spoto. What else do you do? We've been in the tech business for probably close up to 20 years now, always supplying the automotive industry. And we're always at the forefront. We started off 20 years ago doing Bluetooth when no one knew what Bluetooth was. Right. We were doing hands-free kits in those days. That's my job, looking for the next tech for the automotive. So we do Mobileye, which is Mobileye is a forward-facing collision avoidance system. Gives you lane departure warning, tailgating warning, pedestrian detection. And that goes on the front window of the truck. We do a proxy cam, which is for pedestrian detection for plant equipment. and using AI as well. We do fatigue management as well. So a range of products aimed at safety, really. Yep. And fleets. We don't do retail or cars. We focus on trucks and buses, heavy industry. So all this stuff wrapped up together, obviously getting the information out there about how it works and the education of the drivers that are going to be interacting with this technology is something that I've written about several times and spoken about till people just go, for God's sake, Mick, shut up. <laughs> yep. I wrote a piece I called How to Annoy a Truck Driver Will Change Something. Or give him something new. <laughs> yeah, give him something new, change something. That was specifically directed at the fatigue management systems that you see in the trucks these days. How are you finding that drivers accept new technology? How, what do you do to address that? It's difficult. I'm not being ageist now. I'm middle-aged, but we find that the younger drivers accept it. They take it on. They've grown up with tech. Yeah. The older drivers aren't so happy or, you know, might I be driving for 50 years or 40 years, never had an accident, never had a problem. Why do I need this? So depending on the tech, you know, the mobile wire they don't really like because it's telling them off. Yep. Too close, you're going too fast, you're doing this, you're doing that. We're finding that with the Spoto, they're actually embracing it. They're actually welcoming it because it's helping them. Yeah. It doesn't annoy them. It tells them that something's there where they can't see. So it's been a breath of fresh air, to be honest, to get positive feedback. You know, with our other techers and generally your fleet manager saying, we're going to take this on, company policy, we put it in your truck, whether you like it or not, 
and the drivers throw their hands up in the air, the unions get involved. We've seen all that. With Spoto, it seems to be a lot more positive, which is great, which is welcoming, really. I suppose part of it, though, is that their drivers' perception of something like Spoto, for example, is something that's helping them, not something that's telling on them. Exactly, and it's not reporting back. They don't like being reported back on or being recorded. There's two sides to every coin, you know. When you're recording, you're not monitoring. You're recording for proof of not your fault, maybe. <laughs> it can help. My experience of it, once the drivers know how it works and how it doesn't work, what it does do and what it doesn't actually do, that changes the perception as well. Education, correct. Yeah, it's the education and how these things are introduced and the level of consultation that happens along the way. And then, of course, there is the fine-tuning of the equipment later on. I mean, it's one thing to come and have all the stuff in the truck, but if it's creating false positives, yeah. drivers find that terribly frustrating, I know from experience. Correct. Irritation. Yeah, I suppose I've never driven a truck, and I can't imagine that it's not an easy task. Yeah. I can imagine driving a truck through Sydney is hard enough in my car. You know, I can imagine what it's like in a, in a truck. So having something shouting at you all day for no reason would drive me insane, that's for sure. Yeah. So I do understand it, and that's part of our challenge. Hmm. When we developed Spoto, we were very cognizant of the fact of making something that's effective and that works and does a job, hmm. but doesn't irritate the driver. That was very important in our list of must-haves. So when you developed this thing, I mean, this is something that you developed and put on the market? Yes. How did you test it? How did you go about testing it? Industry. So we put it on to our customers' trucks, and they trialed it, and they gave us feedback and gave us, this is good, that's bad, we like this, we don't like that, change this, change that, mm. and developed it through our customers. Yep. We worked with Penske as well, so Penske and Western Star specifically, and they gave us feedback as well as to what they wanted, how they would like it to work. It's an sale and approved product and available from Penske dealers right across the country. To get back to the spot, oh, that is something that a competent auto electrician can install. It's not something you'd need a specialist to install. It's even, honestly, a DIY. If you've got some skills and it's literally power and indicator, mount the radar to the step. It comes with a bracket for the step. We've put it in a kit form that's made it accessible to anyone. So a DIYer, no problem. Everything's there. Installation guide, all the tools, even the appropriate size also to make the hole in the A-pillar for the LED. Oh, no. So we've gone to every length possible to make it as a DIY kit. We want it available for everyone. There shouldn't be a reason why anyone shouldn't have it. The only question I've been asked about this, you know, is not A, if it works, or B, if it's any good. It's, is it a sealed unit? Is it water resistant? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. So the unit on the step, it's a die-cast back plate. It's polycarbonate housing the front filled with resin. So you can drop it in a bucket of water, mate, and it'll work. Right. It's a solid block, basically, of resin covering the sensor. Yeah. Yeah, because it's one of those things, guys do get annoyed, I know, that with these things that, yeah, they're great for a while, and then six months later, there's some water got on there, you know, the money's wasted, and that's the end of that. No chance, mate. Not with us, yeah. Three-year warranty? Absolutely. Anything's faulty, send it back. We're that confident in product, yeah. Right. I mean, we even give a 30-day money-back guarantee. You buy it, you don't like it for any reason, whatever. Wrong colour, it smells, whatever you don't like, just send it back. <laughs> we don't care. We're that confident, mate. And I've got to have a shot at you, mate. Does it speak English? <laughs> Only South African. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been in Australia, mate? How long have you been here? 26 years now, mate. And you still sound like a South African. I still sound like it. I do.
It just sticks. It does. It does. I shouldn't have a go at you for your accent, should I? <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. You know, every time I hear a South African, you know what I think of? What do you think of? Bloody Tony Gregg sticking the keys into the pitch, mate. <laughs> every time. He was a good commentator. He was great. I grew up with him. He was great. Did you? doesn't matter, mate. Every time I hear a South African bloke, the next thing I oh, I'll see the keys fit in here, Richie. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right, mate. That's funny to me, mate. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's great. Clive Rogers, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Thanks for having a sense of humour and thanks for telling the guys about Spoto. They can get it from Fleet Safe. Go to the webpage, which we've talked about before. All good, mate. You can help them out. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, it's been great talking to you. Good on you, bud. Thank you, Mike. Keep it safe. We'll see you on the road. Thanks, mate. G'day, I'm Darren. I'm listening to On the Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. G'day, Mike. Where upon this planet might you be at the moment, mate? I'm sitting in my study in the warm with the heater on with my dog looking up lovingly at me. You're at home? I am at home, mate. So you do occasionally go there? I do get there occasionally, but the missus isn't home, so I'm safe. <laughs> yeah? She's on the other side of the country. She's in Perth, so I'm safe at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe before we kick off, I'll tell you a little story about a mate of mine. A bloke I know, he got pulled over by the cops the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, good old Constable Plod told him that he'd been swerving all over the place and he'd have mm. to undergo a roadside breath test. Right. Mate told him he couldn't because of his severe asthma as it could set off an attack. Right. And so the copper said, all right, well, we'll do a blood test then. He said, well, I can't do that either. I'm a haemophiliac and I could bleed to death. Yeah. <laughs> The copper said to him, all right, how about a urine sample? And he said, I can't do that. I've got diabetes and that could push my sugar count too low. Yeah. As you can understand by then, the copper was getting pretty frustrated. And he said, I suppose you've got a good reason as to why you wouldn't be able to walk the white line test as well. And yeah. He said, yeah, sure, I have. Pretty damn good chance that I might be a bit drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was the punchline, but it's still funny. <laughs> Yeah, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard it, but it still works. Can't do it. I'm pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mate, to kick off, we should, I suppose, first of all, acknowledge that it's National Road Safety Week. It is National Road Safety Week, and we did forget to mention it last week, or I did anyway. We did, yeah. 
The premise of National Road Safety Week is that everyone wants to get home safe every day. And that's the yellow ribbons and things you see painted on the side of the trucks. I've actually got one on my sleeper cab, you know. Have you? I do. So it is National Road Safety Week running from the 15th to the 22nd of May. We should have let you know last week. That's on me. Well, if they didn't already know, that's on them. It is. It is. It is indeed. So for the rest of the week, try and be safe, all right? Have a think about what you're doing out there. Mate, one from the It Was Always Just a Matter of Time category comes this story about a road in Victoria's East Gippsland area that will soon be wearing glow-in-the-dark line markings. Yeah, and I don't know if it's scary or not. I I mean, we've all seen the luminescent watch faces and everything like that. Mm. Some Muppet will try and drive down that with their lights off, won't they? Well, there's every chance, yeah. (laughs) I'd probably have a crack. I'd turn the lights off to see if they really do go in the dark. I just feel sorry for the poor bloke that's going to have to walk down there early in the night with a torch to charge it up. (laughs) Well, I never considered that, but it's probably true. Hmm. It's all part of the Regional Roads Victoria Road Safety Program. They're using photoluminescent paint, Hmm. and it sort of obviously collects the light and dissipates it the same way as a luminescent paint does on the watch face. Mm. They've also put on the tactile markings on the side, so when you go, get the noise when you run over it, you know? Unless you're in a Volvo and then that noise is recorded. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they've got a recording of that. used to love aiming for those things. It'd drive the kids mad when they're in the back. Dad, stop it. Rose flew out of the bunk one night (laughs) and went crook at me for that. So I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what else some people do to annoy the kids? (laughs) Go round and round and round about. My brother does that. Oh, yeah. Been there. (laughs) You just go round. Anyway. The upside of that is it annoys the other motorists as well. (laughs) It does. It's as much as it ever going to get off. (laughs) But that's an interesting thing. One thing I probably would say to people, they talk about you know head-ons and side-swiping and stuff like that, particularly in low-visibility circumstances. Mm. One of the key things I think people need to learn how to do is to drive closer to the left-hand side of the road than the centre, and that's when you've got the fog lines marked down the side, and obviously if they're luminescent now, they're going to be probably a little bit easier to see. Yep. Get over to the left a little bit further. Give yourself a little bit more time to respond if someone's a little bit in your lane. You know, that's a good point you make there, and that's something I struggle a bit with myself. I tend to sit right in the lane because, yeah. as a motorcyclist, that's where I normally ride to make sure I'm in people's mirrors. Yes. And it's kind of hard to get out of that habit when you get behind the wheel yeah. to think, okay, it wouldn't hurt me to move over a bit to the left. So you make a good point. Well, that's it. And also on the outsides where the potholes and that tend to be as well. Mm. So people obviously don't want to drive through the potholes. Not that any roads in Australia have got potholes in them. Far be it for me to suggest that we've got potholes in our roads. But people sort of get a bit scared. Mm. But anyway, a breakdown of trauma shows that between January 2015 and December 2019, nearly half the deaths recorded on Victoria's roads happen on roads with high speeds between 100 and 110 kilometres an hour at night. Hmm. So this is why they're going to test these lines. Be very interested to see them, see what they look like. Yeah, it would be. I I just figured out why I ride to the right. Why is that? Because I'm a motorcyclist, so I think I own the bloody road. Well, no, it's truckies (laughs) own the road, mate. Sorry. Actually, no, it's bicyclists, but we won't go there. (laughs) No, don't start me. (laughs) Mate, fatigue-related crashes still remain the largest single cause of truck driver deaths, despite statistics from the 2021 Major Accident Investigation Report that indicates fatigue-related crashes are at their lowest recorded level. This is true. Our old mate Adam Gibson, Transport and Logistics Risk Engineer at NTI, has compiled his report. Shout out to Adam. G'day, mate. How are you, buddy? 
Yeah. Over the last decade, we've seen an improvement in the road safety performance on our roads. 1.4 deaths per billion tonne kilometres of freight moved. That's pretty bloody good, you know. Mm. I mean, any death is no good, but the black and white numbers that we produce as far as safety goes on Australian roads are comparable with anyone. Mm. Adam says that he's rightly proud of our industry for what we do, and so am I. Mm. We talk about fatigue crashes. Adam and I have had conversations about that. Adam talks about the technology and, and everything in the trucks, and none of us like it. I don't even like it. I'm into the technology. Yeah, just a bit. I've got to be honest with you, mate. Some of it does annoy me a little bit. Mm. And it's not so much the technology, it's the false positives and things like that you get from it. A bit like COVID tests, you reckon? Been lucky, you know. I know guys that have had over 100 of those. Wow. I've had about, I don't know, 10 or something. I've been lucky. Mm. It's a great article in bigrigs.com.au, so get in there and have a look at it. It's entitled Hard Numbers on Fatigue and How to Protect Yourself. And I would suggest to you that you have a bit of a read. There's some points to consider about how to protect yourself. Mostly stay off the roads if you can between midnight and 6am. They're the hours when we get trouble. Mm. Have a good quality sleep and use the driver management systems. We know that they're controversial, but really it's not about Big Brother or anything like that. It's trying to save some lives. Yep, yep. And in all honesty, I've set the thing off. I don't know what would have happened if it hadn't gone off. I think I'd have been fine. I'd like to think I would have been, but who knows? Mm. And most of all, keep away from cyclists. Yeah. That's right. Mike, the sacking of a line haul driver by a major Australian transport company has brought about an unfair dismissal claim that went to the Fair Work Commission with the result of the company being ordered to reinstate the driver and to cough up the back pay. They did, yeah. Lynn Fox got told they had to give this bloke his job back. Eric Pickering had been working at Lynn Fox for quite some time. He was also the TWU delegate for the transport company. He was terminated for some apparent unsafe procedures or something along those lines and were taken to the fair work by Pickering and he got his job back. They said there was no valid reason for the dismissal of the applicant and they said his sacking was unjust, unfair and unreasonable. And as you say, Lynn Fox were ordered to reinstate him to his job with back pay. Mm. He said that he's had some psychological injury resulting from the administrative action taken by Lynn Fox and he wants to get some compensation payout and Lynn Fox uh, saying, no, we're not going to do that. The story is in Big Rigs at bigrigs.com.au entitled Transport Giant in Court Over Unfair Dismissal Case. I would suggest that you go and have a read of it. Lynn Fox have been approached by Big Rigs, but they've declined to comment, which is not a surprise. No, and it sounds like it might just not all be over yet. No, it's not over, mate. I don't think it's over by a long shot. Mm. Mike, from August 1st, some of the key functions conducted by Transport New South Wales will be transferred across to the NHVR. They will. They're taking over, and that's it. They've got five states now. Mm. You know what cracked me up about this article when I read it? Mm. Roadside enforcement, investigation, prosecution and scheduled heavy vehicle inspections currently provided by Transport for New South Wales will be some of the services transferring the NHBR. Oh, they're services? They're services. Right, okay. They're services. (laughs) Writing you up, giving you a pineapple, investigating you, prosecuting (laughs) That's a service. (laughs) I just looked at that and I thought, how far off the mark are these guys? The NHVR will continue to deliver the services across 200 heavy vehicle inspection stations in New South Wales. 
there's more freight trucks and freight itself moving through New South Wales. 50% of trucking goes through New South Wales, you know. Yep. It's incredible, really, when you think about it. Sal Petrosito, the NHBR CEO, says the transition is another step to reducing the impact of state borders and the movement of freight across Australia. He's 100% correct. Mm. When we have a uniformity of authorities and everyone's on the same page, that'll be a great thing. The Northern Territory and Western Australia are never going to buy into this. I hate to break it to Sal, but that's just the way it's going to be. Yep. If the NHVR want to become truly national, then they are going to have to modify their views to become more into line with what they want in the Northern Territory and Western Australia. It'd be a lovely discussion to have. We could spend a couple of days and we could probably still not get to the bottom of it, mate. Well, there has been talk about WA and the Northern Territory seceding anyway, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Big chainsaw down the guts and push him out to sea. You reckon we should just put up the rabbit-proof fence but make it 12 foot high, patrol the outside to make sure no one gets in? Well, we could build our own, like, Panama Canal that runs north to south, you know. Yeah, we could. Yep. Anything's possible. It is. Mate, two truckie mates who 12 months ago started an initiative to help bring truckies together have been blown away by how much the event has grown despite being hampered by the COVID situation. Mates bringing truckies together for a great cause. I'll tell you what, this story really gives me heart. It is such a brilliant thing. And if you go there, there is a great picture of all these trucks sitting in a car park in Sydney. Mm. And this is all just a couple of blokes. Jake Cuspert and uh, Luke Roberts have got together and they thought, wouldn't this be a cool thing to do? They get the community together for a barbecue and a chat at Marsden Park in Sydney. They held their first meeting in 2021 and they got about 30 trucks well, on the 28th, Saturday the 28th of May, in the same location at Marsden Park, they're going to have another one. They reckon there's 90 trucks booked to attend. Still a week out, obviously. Mm. This is incredible. They get their trucks all shined up. It's a show and shine, get together, a sausage and a bit of bread, and just have a chat and, you know, truckies doing what truckies doing. I reckon it's absolutely brilliant. And they're trying to raise a bit of money. So there's a bringing a truck, you're going to put in a five or a 10 buck donation and that will go to support mental health. Everybody's welcome, no matter what truck you drive. And the donations go to Beyond Blue. So get on the bigrigs.com.au's webpage. As I say, mates bring truckies together for a great cause. The story was written by Danielle Galachi and there's a link there to click to make a donation and get all the details off the Truck Meet Facebook page. Go and have a look. I think that you won't be sorry. Looks like a lot of fun. There's some great-looking trucks down there for that. Brilliant. All right, mate. Thought for the week this week comes courtesy of Mac McCleary. Right. Who says, Patience is something you admire in the driver behind you and you hate in the driver in front of you. (laughs) How true is that? A lot of truth in that one. Well, there is. I think there's something in that for all of us, don't you? I think there might be. Indeed. <laughs> all right, mate. Will you enjoy your evening at home? Yeah, yeah. I'll be up and heading down 31 tomorrow morning and pretending I'm a big truck driver. Good. Good old 31. Good old 31. Take care. See you, buddy. See ya. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. This is Adam Gibson from NTI, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy.
It gives me great pleasure to welcome back to the show Professor Ross Isles. For those of you who don't remember, Ross is a part of the Healthy Working Lives Research Group, which is a part of the Public Health and Preventive Medicine School at Monash University. Him and his fellows have been researching what it means to be fit and healthy in industry, and they've looked specifically at what we do. There's been a lot of water under the bridge since Ross and I last chatted. He's had a seminar series which has been well attended by people from the industry, and there's a paper undergoing peer review. We want to find out some more about that. Ross Isles, welcome back to On The Road. Thanks for having me back, Mike. Mate, it's entirely our pleasure. Mate, I hope that you've got some really good information to impart to the listeners. Oh, look, I think we do. The first thing to cover off there, Mike, is that you mentioned our seminar series that we held earlier in the year. We had six seminars, and it wasn't just us researchers trying to describe the problem. We got the input of a couple of drivers. We got the input from other experts as well, and we even had Senator Glenn Stirl have his input into the conversations as well. Mm. And what we did with those, we really tried to cover off in a fair bit of detail some of the things we found in the driving health study. We had six seminars, and if you missed it, don't stress. If you go to drivinghealth.net, you can actually sign up and you can access all the recordings of those seminars. So you can actually see what went on. So where was that? Drivinghealth.net? Drivinghealth.net. Is there a link or something to click on right there? Is there? Is it easy to find on that page? Yes, I believe so. You click to the seminar series. You'll need to register for that platform, but you'll be able to see all the recordings of those sessions and all the speakers who are involved. We had quite a number of people, quite a spread of experience and knowledge to back up what we found in the study. The other thing about it is you've produced this study now, a paper which is being peer-reviewed. What's the story with that, mate? What's that all about? That's right. So it's under peer review at the moment. So what peer review does is it checks over, makes sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. But what we did with that study is we took all the information that we'd collected so far from drivers around Australia when they told us how healthy they were or unfortunately how unhealthy they were. Mm. And we combined all that information with what we know from the Australian population, what we know from, for example, the Australian Bureau of Statistics. And what you can do is you can actually do an economic analysis. So you can look at what is going to be the impact of not having the best health. And what we found with that study, we've said, well, if this picture of health of the current truck driving workforce that we found in driving health doesn't change in the next 10 years, what would happen? Right. And the numbers are pretty scary. I'll throw some at you. So the first one being that there'll be 6,067 lives lost due to work-related diseases or injury. There'll be $485 million in healthcare costs. And the biggest number was there'll be $2.6 billion in lost productivity if there isn't a change in the health and well-being of the truck driving workforce. And the thing to throw in there is that this information was all collected pre-pandemic. What that means for me is that that $2.6 billion is actually likely to be a really big underestimate. The real cost is going to be higher than that because we know pressure's gone through the roof. Yeah, it has, yeah. The other thing that we found, and I think this is really important and something that we're really keen to communicate and why we did the research, if you like, was all it takes, if you can actually decrease the burden of poor health by just 2%, Mm. It'll actually lead to saving $10 million worth of healthcare costs and $53 million in productivity. So you don't have to come up with something that's super whiz-bang and you know fixes everything for everyone for it to be cost-effective. Yep. You just need to be able to work out and do it in practice, actually make a real difference to the health and well-being of drivers. You don't have to have a huge impact to get your money back. It's not that hard for employers to do either, is it? to consider what's going on with their drivers and giving them the opportunity to get proper rest and proper meals. 
I know it's harder on the road, but having some facilities in the truck, for example, to allow the drivers to heat meals that they prepared at home and makes a difference that stops them from going to the Bay and Marie and buying the potato scallops, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think what's important too is it's all those little things, they add up. Hmm. Those little things about helping your drivers, maybe they need some encouragement to get active in their break time. And like you said, just provide some facilities. Those little things can easily add up to that 2% before you know it. Yeah. What we do know is, and what we found from Driving Health, is that we need all the players on board if you're going to make a big difference. It's not just the small employers that need to look after their employees. It's governments actually providing appropriate rest areas. It's making sure the roads are maintained. So I think everyone in the transport industry has got a bit to play. Yep. It's not up to one person. It's actually going to be a collective effort. But the rewards are there, not just from a money point of view, but also obviously the health and well-being of the people. Well, that's an important thing. I think it's lost on some that the most important asset to a business and to the industry are the people. That's right. And not only that, we know that's pretty hard to attract young people to the, the industry. Well, there needs to be an approach where coming into it, people know they're going to be looked after, they're going to be appreciated, and mm. they're not putting their health at risk by becoming a professional driver. Yeah, that's right. Mate, just quickly, how the hell did you end up in the position that you're in? How did you come onto the road of doing this research that you've been doing? The main area that I'm interested in from a research point of view is when people are ill or injured and unable to work. We, we call it work disability. Right. As it happened, the boss of my group had some ties with Linfox and there was an opportunity to attract some funding to do some research. So it was almost by accident, if you like, that there was an area that needed to be researched. And I think what struck me as we looked into it is just how many men are employed as truck drivers. It's the number one employer of Australian men. Men and women. Absolutely. There's a lot more women out there now, mate. Oh, absolutely. It's just we have our tag phrases, you know, the one that you can trot out all the time. I get it, mate, but if I don't remind you, they're going to cane me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's important. For me, it's an opportunity to have an impact on the health and well-being of as many people as possible. Yeah. If I had to write down my professional goal or life goal or motivation or whatever you might call it, Mm. it's my aim to have a positive impact on the health and well-being of as many people as I possibly can. And as it turns out, the transport industry is screaming out from a a health and well-being point of view. So the planets have a line, if you like. This research fits right into my wheelhouse, which is why I'm actually really quite passionate about trying to get players on board and get people listening so we can actually do something. It'll help so many people that are so important to our way of life. Mm. It feels like it's a no-brainer, but unfortunately, it isn't. People aren't aware of exactly what's going on. Yeah, Kind of a hidden problem. People in the industry do know about it. You know how tough it is and how important the job is, but the general public don't seem to know that. Yeah, There's plenty of arguments for why we should be doing more in this space. Well, I'll tell you what, mate, we do have a lot of self-inflicted injuries, though, don't we? <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. I mean, we don't go out of the way to help ourselves or our mates sometimes. It never ceases to amaze me how some things are allowed to just progress and to the point where, oh, we just need to do something about that now. It's got to the point where it's no longer a joke. Health and fitness of drivers has been something that's a serious issue for as long as I can remember. I think where the difference is because of the can-do attitude of a lot of people in the industry that the focus has been allowed to go elsewhere. Mm. There are certain industries that if that state of health and well-being and leaving things till they're really bad was allowed It just wouldn't be allowed in other industries. And my brain goes almost to like the complete opposite end of the spectrum, which is your office job. Mm. Health and safety is always front and center for people in office jobs. And there's walking groups and there's yoga classes. And Mm. there's all sorts of things that they're doing there because the health and well-being is seen as important. But it seems to be that for truck drivers, that's just a little too hard. and That's just not right. 
There are a lot of other factors too, Ross, and I'm sure that you've encountered this in the study that you've done and the conversations with the drivers. The opportunity for the drivers to go and get proper health care and health advice is limited. Yep. The range of healthy food and lifestyle choices that truck drivers have, particularly long-distance drivers, is limited. Yep. And also there's the fact that we live to our income and driving trucks long distance usually leads to probably a reasonable income. There is an argument for it not being as good as it should be given what we do, and I support that. That's an entirely different issue. Yep. But if you go off the road, your income can soon turn to zero. And so reporting healthcare problems like chest pain, difficulty sleeping, I'm getting fatter, can be bigger than Ben-Hur if you're a long-distance truck driver because there are consequences for your licence if you say, oh, I'm having chest pain, you know? Absolutely. And that's where we need that change of mindset, if you like, that actually looking after your health isn't actually putting your job at risk. Mm. It's not easy. I acknowledge that, but it needs to be something that's seen as a requirement Mm. that you actually look after your health and that it's not actually putting things at risk. It's a tough bit of the culture to change, though. Yes. You don't get guys driving trucks long distance unless they can work unsupervised and they can get the job done. Yeah. And they're just the sort of drivers that minimise any personal discomforts or issues that they may have. So I think that's something to consider. I think so, too. And what we saw in our study was that when drivers had pain, they had pain in multiple places. Hmm. And probably what's happening is that you don't get it checked out until that niggle becomes a pain and it turns into you're not even being able to lift your arm above your head. You have trouble putting your shirt on. Yeah. Putting my physiotherapy hat on, I'd much rather, from a physiotherapist's point of view, be working with the person who's got the niggle in their shoulder Yeah. because I know I can get on top of that quite quickly and easily and I can show them how to look after it. I can show them how to do their job and look after their shoulder at the same time. Yeah. Whereas when it's got to the point where you're having trouble getting dressed because your shoulder's so painful, it's much harder. You've got to have some rest periods. You've got to stop aggravating it. It's a tough nut to crack, isn't it? It is. Prevention is always better than cure. But it's hard when the mindset is, well, the job's got to be done. You go and get the job done and you worry about that shoulder afterwards and oh, you look up and it's everybody's closed and you can't get to your physio or your GP or whoever it might be. And then you roll on to the next job. That's, that's exactly how it happens. Yep. I get that. And one of the things we're working with next, Mike, is we're working with OzHelp who provide their trucky tune-ups. They're actually out there on the roadside assessing drivers where the drivers are yep. to actually help them out to work out well, what is the next step for them to look after their health. So we'll be working with OzHelp to really help them understand the impact of the programs they've had in place. That's a great move. Mate, as part of the Driving Health program, though, you said about the education, we had the allocator program that you're running. That's obviously still there for people to use, isn't it? That's right. It's still up and available at drivinghealth.net. And so that program is designed for anyone who manages or deals with truck drivers day by day. And the aim is to increase their awareness of some of the things that they can do to help drivers look after their health. And what we found so far is that those people who have done the program, I think we have about 50 different organisations who have actually gone through the program, which is fantastic. We'd love more. So if you're listening, jump on. What we found was a lot of things the people were aware of in terms of the impact that they could have, but there were three or four things that they really didn't necessarily have a good understanding of how they might influence drivers' health. Okay. What were they? Well, we found that Things like the driver's weight, a driver's physical activity, and the family or financial stress were three things that managers didn't really understand they could actually have an impact on. And after doing the program, we actually saw a significant increase in those who'd done the program, seeing that they might actually be able to have an impact on those things. Right. They didn't necessarily have to fix them, but they were at least aware that what they do and the messages that they convey and the chats that they have can actually help with those things. Yeah. So the next step from there is to actually understand, well, there's a whole bunch of things there that everyone's aware of. That's great. The next thing is, 
how do we actually help people have those conversations to improve those things? And that's what we hope to do in the future. Well, it's all about getting the information out there and getting the key players to understand how easy it is to influence a little bit of change in this area for the benefit of everyone in the industry. I'm incredibly excited to see how your work evolves and and what we can do with it. Well, watch this space because we're hoping to have more communications about the things that we've found, but then taking it to the next step to actually help with some of the solutions to these problems. Professor Ross Isles, thanks for coming on the show with us again today, mate. Keep working on the research to improve the health and the workers and the systems that support them. I really applaud what you do. If you've got any other developments you'd like to let us know down the track, please feel free to get contact with me and I'm more than happy to let it out there if we can. Thanks very much, Mike. If anyone wants to know anything about what we've done in driving health, go to www.drivinghealth.net and you can also get in touch with the members of the research team there too if you want to have a further discussion. No worries, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Alison Forbes is another of our Tamworth-based country music artists and she truly has the world at her feet. After her debut album, Bone Digger, was released in 2020, it debuted at number one on the Aria Country Music Charts. Alison has released a cracking new album called Dead Men Tell No Tales and it's from this record that we've taken our closeout song for this week's show. Now just before we play that for you, a reminder that immediately after this song, stay tuned to hear Mike and Dave McCord from the New Zealand Trucking Podcast Keep On Moving. Together they're sharing their thoughts on trucking, humour and a whole lot more. Now it's a late addition to this week's show, so it's raw, it's uncut, it's unedited and it's really worth waiting around for. That's coming up shortly. In the meantime, here's Alison Forbes with Only Got One Road.
On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au and Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Still away to something I never had Someone I never knew and it drives me mad Get that bar dark and call it quits Build a house out of your stones and sticks How far will I go with only half a chance? Might never know one only half a tank How far will I go with only half a chance? old mate Dave McCoy from uh, New Zealand Trucking Magazine. We have a bit of a chat and I talked to Dave uh, for their podcast, which is Keep On Moving. And today we're just going to have a bit of a joint chat and uh, I'm going to answer a few of his questions about what we talk about on the show. And I'm going to ask him a few questions as well, mostly because I like his funny accent. He's, a, he's an idiot, this bloke. you really got to meet him. Dave McCoy, welcome to On The Road Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Mike, and welcome to Keep On Moving. (laughs) How are you going, mate? What's the plan? What are we talking about today? Well, the plan is on episode nine of our podcast, an episode, God knows what, of yours, about 312, I think, by the way, you keep racking up. Um, So, yeah, listen, uh, fascinated with the Razorback interview with Chris Rowe a couple of weeks ago because that was 79, April 79, and I was a sum total of 65, 79. I would have been 13, coming up 14. And, of course, we could only get Trucking Life then. We had New Zealand Trucking Magazine was still six years away. Right. And uh, so as a kid, you sort of knew more about what was going on politically in the Australian scene because that's all we could get. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, Razorback was a big thing. I remember seeing it, the issues, and, and, uh, yeah, it was uh, real fascinating. Fascinating to to listen to that interview with Chris, and uh, he was only a young fella at the time, and he was in the Razorback, but but somewhere else, wasn't he? He That's was, right. he was yeah. like yeah. a satellite protest almost. Yeah, well, there were protests all over the road. The one that started up at Razorback itself, uh, with uh, you know the Barry Grimson, the like uh, I know who works for the same company as me. Where that started, there was Barry and five the five other guys, and then all over the country blokes that were all facing the same issues they rate they sort of just appeared out of the woodwork they sort of seeped up and and blocked off the roads in other places and uh, chris i think was uh, was down around on the uh, down around the murray river border somewhere down there uh from memory and uh, he was only he was only a young bloke himself but chris is a third chris's business is a third generation business so there was chris's dad then chris himself and now chris's son right, part yep. of the business there yeah yeah, and uh, Ted Stevens was the, the the sort of one of the masterminds behind the whole thing. Mm. He ended up writing a book, didn't he, called Razorback, The True Story, which you said is reasonably difficult to get nowadays. It is reasonably difficult to get your hands on. We'll see if we can source one for you and send it over to New Zealand. To... Oh, I'd love to have a read. Yeah, I'd love to have a read now that I'm a big growing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, he canes the hell out of a few people in there. It is a, 
it's not something you want to read if you're lying in bed waiting to go to sleep, mate. It's not so because it, 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 it's a page turner, I tell you. Page turner. Yeah. Oh, hey, one thing I'll pick up on too is you said there when you were talking to Chris. Yeah. Just a comment you made that I found interesting, and I thought, oh, I must talk to Mike uh, about that next time I'm eating fush and chops. And um, <laughs> is um, is is uh, you said uh, Razorback, Razorback, blah blah blah. Yeah. We couldn't do it now, and you kept on talking, and I thought, oh, really? You couldn't do it now? What's uh, like? Because over here we're quite pissed off because the government keeps spending road user charges on cycle lanes. Yep. And so there's a fair bit of turmoil boiling under the skin over here. Yeah. Um, and so uh, interesting that you could you say you couldn't do it now. Why is that? Well, there's a couple of reasons why you couldn't do it now. One of the one of them is that, that uh, I believe Nifty Neville ran, who was the Premier of New South Wales at the time that Razorback happened, decided that we can't let that happen again, and changed the uh, the rules a little bit to allow the police to. Uh, remove vehicles from the road to actually clear the road. Um, oh, right. So okay, so it, if you did it again, the army tanks would arrive and she'd be all over. Well, that's the threat. You know, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll drag your truck off the road with a bulldozer. Of course, yeah. you know, there's also the, the whole legal issues around doing the whole thing. What are you setting the place yeah. on fire? What's going on? Yeah, no, Tim's is on fire, mate. The fire siren's just going off, mate. There's, uh, yep, the uh, volunteer fire brigade will put down their pint and head to the... <laughs> Head to the fire brigade. Pronto. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Anyway, we'll just have to work our way through it, I suppose. Oh, that's the sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could be you're talking about something dangerous now. The bloody alarms have just gone off. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So, yeah, so Nifty changed the rules a little bit to uh, make it a little bit easier for the police to intervene and clear the road. So that's one yeah. thing. But the other part about this too is that the the level of investment in trucks these days is pretty high, and I think it would take someone with, you know, a fairly large amount of intestinal fortitude to take risk of what yeah, was going to okay. happen. And I mean, we yeah. saw we saw in Brisbane there recently where uh, Tony Fulton and and uh, one of his mates decided that they were going to block the highway south out of Brisbane and uh, in yeah. uh, complaint with the COVID mandates and all the all the rest of that and and i had predicted before that happened that no one would do it well tony proved me wrong yeah. uh, by by going out there and doing it and stood up for what he believed i might add yeah. uh, unfortunately since then tony has uh left full-time driving he's still involved in the industry and uh an informative bloke to talk to but unfortunately he's no longer out there working the working the way we do so yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's an interesting thing because, like, <clears throat> like and, and I realise that uh, there's a whole heap of Australian listeners listening to me at the moment as a New Zealander talking about roads, and you'll all be going, geez, mate, you want to come over to Tanami, mate? You bloody chicken and root of... You jokers don't know what a bloody bad road is, mate. You're just a bunch of poofters. Um, yeah. Yep. Like, but, yes, we did have great roads in New Zealand, but we don't now. And, like, where does an operator walked into one of the CEO offices of one of our associations and dropped a shock absorber on his desk and said, that's 47,000 k's old and it's absolutely stuffed. And that is that, that truck only goes up and down one of one of our eight major state highways. Well. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, so if you, yeah, if you want to ride for an e-bike, here's the place to come. If you want to ride for a B train, this is not the place to come. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, there's a fair bit of blood boiling under the skin over here. I'll give you the tip. Um, so the other thing was that you were talking to Chris Rob at the same time as well. Is um, it, it, the sort of 
the, in the state of the industry at the moment with operators that probably aren't quite aware of the costs mm. of running their trucks at the moment and their price takers rather than price makers or stamp their feet and stand up for a price and, and fix co- the, the, the peril of fixed costs being too high, sending some guys to the wall. Well, we've had a massive change here as far as the price of fuel's concerned. and uh, The price of fuel's diesel's just gone through the roof and I'm sure it has in New Zealand as well. Um, we've had the ad blue crisis here. Uh, there are a number of costs that drivers have, owner drivers have got no control over that they're now trying to deal with. And the problem with it is, is that, uh, and I don't know what it's like trying to get into the trucking business in, in New Zealand, but here, if you've got the money, you go and buy a prime mover, you can hire a trailer, buy a trailer, you can rent to own prime movers. God, if you've got a thousand bucks, you can get a truck these days, basically. And then you go to whichever one of the majors you choose to, cart their freight, uh, at whatever rate they say, and then go and swim in the pond. Yeah. And there's no background understanding required. You just go out and swim in the pond. And as a result of that... Sit, uh, do, you, do you guys have to sit on a fine and upstanding noble person test before you get started or...? I wouldn't have ever owned a truck if that was the case, mate. <laughs> Oh, what an absolute <laughs> ripper. Yeah, no, we do here. Yeah. We we do here. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. eh? Yeah, no, you've got to do a, I'm a, what is it, fit and proper person test. Do you really? Yeah, yeah, but the, oh, yeah, I flew through it, so the bar's quite low. So, yeah. We've just had a bloke gone to jail for like 10 years for a $3.8 million diesel fuel credit of rort that he got busted for. He got busted yep. for having 313 kilos of bloody methamphetamine or something in the boom of a of a tow truck boom he was importing. They cut it out with an angle grinder and yeah. Yep. So he's yep. gone to jail for a long time. So yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, unbelievable. And it's interesting you say that. Very the reason I touched on it is because I just had an interview uh, today for the for the podcast with uh, Nick Leggett, who's the CEO of one of our industry associations. About and one of the things we touched on was it's one of the problems is in terms of recruitment and people coming into the industry and a whole plethora of things is it's still just too bloody easy to get going in this industry that's right because i always i said to him look i always relate it back to the fact that it's the largest single moving object allowed free reign in society under the control of one person so it needs to be it needs to be hard to do it well uh if you look at the situation in the states where they've got their department of transport number um there are a certain amount of bars that you need to to reach to get one of those things and that way you've got a certain level of understanding that the people know you know what it means to maintain a truck properly and and actually know the know the ground rules and then of course you've got to get a commercial driver's license so you know can't just go and drive a truck i can't go to the states and just drive a truck neither can you yeah but yet someone can come to new zealand i believe or australia and within a few days be driving a bloody truck on the road making money as a commercial truck driver. It just makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Hey, uh, hey, interesting thing, one of the podcasts of recent I saw, you did that uh, in something to talk about, your something to talk about section where you just throw something out there and for, for people to stew on. And that, those, yeah. that bloody list of 10, 11 things that make a good man boy, it was Alex Mathers, the guy yeah. that wrote. Yeah, well, mate, some of them I thought... Oh, yeah, Mathers, I thought there was a couple of them there. I thought he hit the nail on the head, and the other times I thought he hit his thumb. <laughs> that's right. He was a, that's why I said, mate, I said, I don't necessarily agree with all of this stuff. Yeah. Some of it, yeah, all right. But, I mean, we do that section on the show because it's something to, it is something to think about and something to talk about. 
So, yeah. you know, you can talk about it. You know, I, I heard this on the on the radio. I heard this on the show. And, you know, I heard this. What do you think of it? And it's just, you know, something yeah. a while away the time while you're driving down the road on the UHF talking to your mate on channel yeah. whatever and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly picked me up because a couple of them I was like, oh, you agree with that. Oh, mm. I agree with that. Then you said like number seven or eight or nine. And I was like, holy shit. I'm just about drove into the drive. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. he didn't get hit with a hammer. But anyway, <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Hey, can you pass a message on to uh, um, Andy for me? Oh, look, I'm sure I, we can do that. Andy, are you listening? Yeah, Andy, the the dad joke, the dad joke, um, uh, toweling that I gave you a few weeks ago, all is forgiven. Yeah, a couple <laughs> of the recent ones about the children and the sperm were just ab- were, ab- you're you're on top, mate. You're on top. No, no, I, I don't know where I'd be without Andy's uh, Andy's. Uh, introduction to the news every week and certainly the thought for the uh, the thought for the week at the end often gives me something to think about which is you know mildly amusing i don't and know where he comes am- up with it he's got an amazing wife he must have the most tolerant wife I, in the world he does he does <laughs> she looks after him and he does. yeah yeah he takes a hell of a risk you know talking about it oh but- Flipping Norah, I tell you. I tell you. Okay, everybody, at our end, it's called uh, On the Road Podcast. It drops every Friday afternoon. It's Mike and Andy. It's a great listen. It's a great listen for uh, across the Australian scene in terms of what's happening in, uh, in the in the trucko political sense. And uh, it's also got it's got music. It's got artists uh, being released. It's got up and coming artists. It's got general truck information. Uh, it's a great. Uh, it's a great. It's a great listen. Oh, and something I have to say to you too. Mike, before we go, I was in Invercargill yep. last week, southernmost city in New Zealand in the world, evidently, mm-hmm. and I was sitting at a level crossing. The lights were flashing. There was a train coming. You could see the train. It was it was because the railway line pretty much goes through the guts of the city. Yeah, there was a guy opposite me, and you could just you could just t- you could see it. You could see it in his eyes. You could see his fingers on the steering wheel, his thumbs. You could see the white knuckles across the. And I was like, "Don't do it, mate." Don't, don't, there were no barrier arms, but the lights were going bing, 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 bing. And a couple of times he made eye contact with me and I looked straight at him and I shook my head once and he looked at me and he looked at the train and the white knuckles and the lights were flashing and the train would have been 50 metres away and he shot across the line. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, Just, just incredible. And I thought, well, there it is. There it is. Right. There it is. What we talk about, mate. What we talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and um, so yeah, Queensland Rail obviously big uh, supporters of the show, and you're big supporters of their safety campaigns for level crossings. And obviously, your trains are eight times the length, three hundred times the weight, and fifty times the speed. But you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. A train and a Toyota Corolla are never going to mix. No, and and, and uh, no, we've had a, a great partnership with Queensland Rail, and I and I think it's something that's going to go on into the future safety is very very important to them and it's very very important to us it's part of the message of the show you know yeah road yep. safety mental health and well-being and uh general information about trucking and and what's going on yeah so yeah very important and it's the same over here people if the lights are dinging and the train's visible and it, it's never worth it just sit there like it's it's never going to make the difference it's yep. not going to be the it's not going to be the be all end all of your life success if you let this pissing train go past and you can watch them go past too it's fun to read the graffiti on the carts on the cart on the carriages <laughs> i mean ah uh, yeah that's exactly right yeah. that's exactly right mike williams thanks very much for being part of keep on moving podcast and it's an absolute thrill for us to be um part of the uh, on the road setup as well thank no. you for your time and your support and thank you for your time and, and your support too mate and I, oh, before we go. Yes, tell me something. 
Mate, there's a buddy New Zealand company advertising yes. for drivers in Australia. Doesn't Matt make a difference? Take that, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> what was their name? Hilton Haulage. Ready to come oh, out New Zealand, question mark. Yes. Well, there you go. See, they're not actually advertising. They're not actually asking for Australian drivers. They're asking for Kiwis. Are you ready to come home? But we could send a few home, mate. <laughs> yeah. There was a bit of an issue yeah. with that. I think Jacinda was a little bit pissed off we were going to send a few. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, no, no it's, it's the other ones we want. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, look, I, I'm looking at, I'm looking at it. And you've got, uh, you've got pipe trucks and flatbeds and B doubles, and there's a sort of a uh, there's a twin steer thing, buggy drive with a bit of a big tipper on the back of it. What do they do? A bit of everything, do they, mate? Yeah, yep. No, they're a general, uh, they're a general, general carrying, general carrying company. It's old South Island name. Are they? Down there. It's all over the place. They've got a little map of New Zealand, which is probably yep. about the size of Victoria, and there's yep. yellow dots all over the place, mostly down the south, uh, southeast of the South Island, and. Yeah, that's it. Yep, that's it. They're sort of uh, yep down the southeast of the South Island is their is their original turf, but they're pretty widespread now. You'll find an HH truck many locations. No, no, are they all right to work for, are they? I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, yep. Right. They're just a uh, yep. They're uh, obviously just trying to uh, see if anyone wants to come back and have some fush and chops <laughs> in their jandals. <laughs> in their jandals. I yeah. might have to. A thong uh, over here is an entirely different garment. I'm uh, just saying. Just saying that's I might have to email people at Hilton.co.newzealand, come over for a working holiday and annoy you buggers for a couple of weeks. That'd be fun. Oh, I'd love it. Free accommodation at our place. <laughs> Righto. Dave, thanks for being on the show, mate. You take care and we'll see you on the road. Fantastic. Keep on moving. 